Hallelujah. How's everybody doing this morning? So wonderful to be here. So amazing to be back here with you all. I was here last week. I was here last week. I was sitting in the, in the, in the, in the corner trying to keep quiet because, uh, you know, I, I was just trying to say hello. But when you're in God's house, you feel a difference, don't you? You feel restored. It's an incredible thing. Instantly, and you feel it instantly because God, when you're in God's house, you feel a difference. You feel restored instantly because God always meets you when you make an effort to meet him. Have you noticed that? When you make the first step towards him, he always comes and meets you where you're at. So Holly, the kids, and myself were all recovered. We, we had COVID go through our house. But thank you, Jesus, he maintained us. He kept us safe. He made, got us through it pretty quickly and without it wasn't too bad. It was more, mostly like cold-like symptoms. Uh, but, uh, you know, after all, the, the, I'd say the worst part about it is after you do recover and you're negative, you feel something like jet lag afterwards. You kind of just feel, <laughs> for those of you that have had it, you, you're kind of like, oh, I'm feeling great. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, get me to bed. Like all of a sudden, just like that. And, uh, you know, we did all the things we were supposed to do. We had masks. And even Serena's the one that brought it home to us from, from school because, I'm just telling you, let's bless the teachers here today because the teachers are basically in the thick of it right now. It's going through the schools like crazy. Uh, so God bless the teachers. God bless you, Dana, for, for and, and Carrie as well, too, for being in the schools. Uh, and uh, But anyways, you know, we did all that we could do. We were masked around Serena. We, had, uh, we kept, kept her secluded. God bless her little heart. But it still went through. And the only people that didn't get it were Karis and Elise, the, the youngest, and the weird thing about it is that Kara shares a room with Sophia, and she didn't get it. So go figure. It's a weird thing. But you know what? God maintained us. He kept us safe. We're back. We're restored, and we feel good. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. All good. And, you know, all to say that God is a God of restoration. He is a God of restoration. And even before we had COVID, I felt as it kind of like our, our current mission right now as the body of Christ is one of restoring, rebuilding, and renewing. I think that's what our call as the church is right now. There's been a, a lot of loss recently with COVID hitting the church. And aside from just pivoting, we, we're all tired of hearing that word these days. But uh, aside from pivoting, which we've all been doing, we've also had somewhat of an identity crisis as the church as well, too. A lot of uh, what we thought the church was has been stripped away back to the basics. So what do I mean by that? What I mean is that we're not looking now for the church, you know, that is a church that is there to meet everyone's personal needs. I don't think that's the, the call of the church right now. We're not here to, to meet everyone's personal needs. We're in no shape or form a business. Uh, we're not a business that wants to gain people's attention or time. And I think we need to stop and drop the, the ambition of being the church that has the best marketing, the best programming, and, and promotion. Because quite honestly, the secular world is way better at that than the church. It really is. But there's one thing that the church can be, by the way. There's one thing that the church can be. It can be a church that seeks to have an authentic experience and encounter with God. That's what we're called to do. That's, that's actually what the purpose of the church is. And that is the restoration that I, I, I want. Because honestly... Everything else but Christ is fleeting. It's fleeting. Everything else loses its shimmer. It loses its appeal over time. But a real life-changing experience with God never loses its power. It never loses its appeal. And you know what? I can personally, 
I can personally never walk away from God. I know that in my heart. I know that I can never walk away from God. Is that because I have some kind of, uh, you know, special willpower or, or determination? No, it's because I have actually discovered the more that I seek him, the more time that I spend with him, the more that I give myself to him is exactly equivalent to the more that he shows up in every aspect of my life. Every part of it. That's why I know I can never walk away because I know that in and of myself, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. But the more that I give of myself, the more he restores me. The more I, I give of myself to him, the more he rebuilds me. The more I, I give him of myself, the more he actually renews me. And that's what I've tested and I, I've seen that that is absolutely true. So I can promise you this, that if every person that entered this building had a personal encounter with Jesus, you know, we would have an absolutely terrible time at social distancing. We would be so bad at it. So what is the goal then? What's the mission? The goal is for us all, me, you, all of us, to come to this one Sunday morning meeting that's only usually an hour (laughs) with the expectation that we are going to be restored every single time. We're going to give God the freedom, give him the invitation to come, to move and have his way, not ours, his way. So that all of us, not just new believers, all of us can have a restorative experience with the Holy Spirit each and every time we walk into this building. Are you with me on that? That's what I want. I want to have that restorative experience. Amen? So speaking of restoration, something funny happened while we were uh, on our uh, COVID sabbatical. Uh, (laughs) So once we were all kind of feeling a a lot better, uh, I was watching the kids and uh, all of a sudden, I, there, was, there, was a, there was a quietness. And if you're a parent, you know that if you hear like a real calm, that's just not, there's something's going on here. There's, there's just a calm that doesn't, something doesn't feel right. And uh, so I walked into Elisa's bedroom, and uh, all of a sudden, she had hair like this. Uh, so you've probably seen Elisa's haircut now today. Uh, but we walked into the house, and her and Serena were sitting in the room uh, with some nice safety scissors. And uh, they had not only given themselves haircuts. Actually, Serena gave Elisa a haircut. Serena's hair is perfect. She didn't, nothing happened to her hair. But she cut Elisa's hair. And they also cut, obviously, their Barbie's hair as well, too. And I just found, I found a, a clump of hair in the midst of their magnetiles and their toys just sitting there. And uh, obviously, you could see from Elisa's face, she was not too thrilled about the haircut that she was given. <laughs> so we were basically like, I was, I was like, I can't believe you did this. It's going to take like a year for that to grow back, Elisa. You know, I was, I was a little paranoid about what it was going to look like. But happy Mother's Day. Thank goodness the mother, Holly, was there. She said, don't worry. We're going to take her to the hairstyles. They'll get it all fixed up. Don't you love how mothers can bring kind of a calmness to a scary situation like that. God bless you, all you mothers out there. For goodness sake, it's, you bring the families together, you keep the peace in the house. So we had to cut Elisa's hair. That's as long as we could have it. It couldn't get any longer than that. That's, that's the best we could do with the situation we were faced with. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, the text... <laughs> I'm just laying supernatural hands on her and saying, Lord, restore this hair in the name of Jesus. The text I want to focus on today in regards to restoration is one that we all know and is one that 
is so beautiful when you actually understand the context in which it was written. It's Psalm 51. And David wrote Psalm 51, actually, after Nathan the prophet confronted him about his adultery with Bathsheba. You all remember that story, right? And clearly David recognized that he absolutely needed to be restored. And there was a realistic fear that God's presence would just go away because of his unconfessed sin. And so David prayed this. He said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, this is my favorite part, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. Thank you for your word, Lord. I guess my question when I, when I read this is, do you, do, do I, do all of us, you know, do we carry the same care or, or distress of not, of the possibility of not having his presence with us? David was seriously distressed in this, that he was worried that his presence would disappear. Do we also carry that thought of, wow, what's going to happen if God's spirit departs from me? It feels to me like uh, what the last few years has produced is a sense of kind of hyper self-reliance in people. Have you noticed that? Like we're able to do it all on our own. We don't need community. We don't need other people. We certainly don't need help. Uh, but the problem with that, however, is that our own strength is actually never enough to sustain us long term. Never enough. It's never enough. And not just that, self-reliance is also sinful because we're actually taking God out of the picture when we do that. So David committing adultery was actually him taking what he wanted when he wanted. It was David by David, right? And he quickly realized his self-reliance and sin after being confronted by Nathan. So what I love about this prayer is the fact that David didn't pray anything like, uh, you know, about himself. Like, oh God, please restore my reputation. That's not what he prayed. No, he recognized that his heart had to be changed First and foremost, create in me a pure heart. He wanted his corrupt nature to be changed. And there's no self-reliance there whatsoever. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Just like so many of us, David discovered a, a lot of inconsistency with himself. And he prays, Lord, help me to not lose sight of you. Make me completely reliant on you so that I will never depart from you. And the next two verses are, are what I believe is our cry for today. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation. Amen? The joy of your salvation. How many people here have ever restored something in their li lifetime? Like restored like an antique or restored something? Yeah, isn't there a lot of satisfaction in that when you restore something back to its original purpose and intention and the way that it looks when you restore something? We, uh, Holly and I, we, we bought a house, uh, I guess it's eight years ago now, eight or nine years ago. We bought a house that was built in 1977, had one owner, uh, apparently a really nice Jewish lady. Uh, her name was, uh, her last name was Schwartz. Apparently they owned a furniture store here in town. Uh, Ruth Schwartz, I think her name was. And uh, she was the only person that ever lived in the house. And when we walked in there, there were some really unique features about it. And I, I went through it first, the house, and I said, I said, wow, this is going to, this needs a, more than just a makeover. This, is, this needs a lot of work. And Paul remembers that. He helped me tear apart some of the things that were in there. And, uh, but it was nice. It was like we felt like, wow, there's something to this house that we really like. And I think it could be restored. It hadn't been touched since 1977. There were shag carpets. There was mirrors everywhere. It was, it, it was, it was rough. 
But we did it. We went through it and we restored it back. And I don't think there's, I think there's maybe one wall that has the original drywall on it. So we've been restoring it. And there's a lot of satisfaction that comes out when you put something back into its original purpose, into its original, uh, uh, what it should have been, right? So we live in a world, though, where everything moves towards entropy. Does anyone know what entropy means? Anyone, everyone here studies chemistry, right? Right? No? No? Okay. <laughs> entropy is destruction. It's, it's disorganization. It's chaos. And it's actually in the second law of thermodynamics that everything eventually tends towards entropy, towards destruction when it's not taken care of. It becomes more and more messy as long as you don't take care of something. My front lawn is a great example of this. It looks absolutely terrible right now. There's dandelions absolutely everywhere. It's currently just a collection of weeds. And I, you guys remember uh, Pastor John preaching on the wheat and the tares? I wouldn't be surprised if there are tares growing on my front lawn right now. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not good. It needs some care and uh, it needs to be taken care of for sure. So, uh, restore to me the joy. David was making a personal plea for restoration. He desires to return to a place with God that he has experienced in the past. And what's interesting is restore here is actually the Hebrew word for restore is shadash, which means to, to make like new and to restore to a former state. To restore something that was once amazing but has now become faded or disintegrated. In this case, it was David's joy that, we, you know, that was facing entropy. And it was becoming faded by his unconfessed sin, which made him cry, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It actually reminds me too, and we've studied uh, Revelation in the past, remember the letter to the Ephesians in Revelation, where they're called to repent and return to their first love. Very similar to that. It's funny though, isn't it? it, it it's easy to feel joy when you first find Jesus because a, a kind of a light turns on, right? A light turns on and, and you know, you discover that, you discover what you've always been missing. A lot of people have had that experience where they make a 180 and like, wow, you know, I, this is what I needed all my life. It's easy. That, that's an easy experience to have. And actually, there was, on, on Thursday Night Meeting, there was a lot of testimonies about that, one, that actual experience that people had of when they discovered Jesus and how it transformed them and how it restored them. It was beautiful, the testimonies that were given. People who clearly found joy in their salvation. But the challenge is always kind of maintaining that joy as a Christian. It's maintaining it, not because there's a lack of joy, not because you have to kind of muster it up in, in yourself, but because you actually have to go after. You have to, you have to pursue it. Salvation is a gift, but, but joy is actually a pursuit. Restoration requires hands-on work. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you have to earn joy, but you have to pursue the one who actually gives you joy is what the challenge is. You have to pursue him. Only God can restore and only God can give you joy. We ask for it and he gives it. It's that simple. He will give us joy and he'll give us the joy of our salvation. And really what a beautiful truth that is, isn't it? Isn't it? That salvation actually brings joy. That's a beautiful, beautiful truth. And I'm not talking about happiness here, by the way. Happiness and joy are, are two very, very different things. Because happiness is based on good circumstances. Happiness comes when something happens. Whereas joy is something that's inside of you. Right? And it comes. It's actually joy is actually supernatural. And it, and it, and it comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember a lot of people used to criticize holy laughter? Remember that? People, a lot of people used to criticize how people 
where we're laughing and rolling, rolling around on the ground sometimes. But could it be that, that, that just the joy of our salvation is being expressed when we have holy laughter? I think it is. I think that's exactly what it is. It's the joy of our salvation. And guess what? Joy is also one of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22 it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one? Joy. Joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Joy can actually exist despite the worst circumstances you have. Has anybody, has anybody proven that as well too? Like there's something really, we've all been through COVID. And I remember actually when we were on a Zoom meeting, Fred saying to us that uh, he, he held, you know, they, they basically they couldn't leave their apartment. They were stuck there. But Fred came up and said, you know what? I felt joy regardless. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. The joy of his salvation. Joy despite the circumstance. What is really interesting is, is David's restoration process is that he is not asking God to restore his salvation. He's not asking to restore his salvation. David did not lose his salvation. He lost the joy of it, right, through the sin. Okay, so here's my main point for today. Could it be then that the first step of restoring the church body is that we need to restore the joy of our salvation as well? I think it is. I think that's it. I really think that this might be something. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Do you miss the delight that comes from obeying the Lord? We need the joy of the Lord. If we're going to be witnesses of Jesus, you know, joy is going to show unsaved people that it's worthwhile to know Jesus. There's no sense being out there as a Christian without joy because, you know, most, a lot of people, anyways, are pretty miserable out there. And if we don't show them something different, a joy that is in the depths of who we are, then we, we need it. We need that to be our witness today. Amen? Yeah, Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. When you enjoy doing something that, that you know, when you, when you enjoy doing something, that, that, that enjoyment actually gives you what you need to complete the task, Right? Gary, my father-in-law, his, his, one of his famous words of wisdom is always, when your feet touch the ground in the morning, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Right? You have to enjoy what you're doing in your life. Great, great. Well, that's a very wise thing to say. But I'll tell you something. Gary would also agree with me that, and he would admit that sometimes we don't enjoy the things that we have to do. Right? Sometimes there, there's some things that we do that we don't enjoy doing. How many people have enjoyed doing their taxes this year? Is that great? Yeah, Holly and I had the pleasure of doing our taxes when we were in the middle of COVID, so it was even less, less fun to do. Coughing and sneezing all over our computers, it was great. <laughs> Don't worry, I sprayed it with Lysol before I handed it to the accountant, so we're all good. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that we do, we do because we have to, or sometimes we do things out of duty because it's the right thing to do, right? But in those situations, it doesn't lead to the strength that comes from joy. Joy and actually willing obedience go together. When you enjoy doing something or when you enjoy the person that you're serving, you are going to serve willingly, aren't you? Let me give you some insight to, uh, to Pastor John and Pastor Janice. They're probably watching right now from Florida. God bless you guys. Uh, so let me give you some little insight. So my dad, his, his love language is serving, serving his family. And uh, if, I'm, if I haven't had lunch or something, 
or having I had breakfast. I, I'll, I'll just go in the door. He's there waiting at the kitchen. He's like, hey, do you want some scrambled eggs? Do you want an omelet? Do you want a bagel with salmon on it? Yes, I would. I would love to have that. Absolutely. He loves serving his family. He willingly does it because it brings him joy to serve his family, to, to, to make us fatter and fatter. He enjoys doing that. That's what he loves doing. <laughs> in Psalm 51, David is saying, I need restoration because I'm in bondage from not confessing my sin. Not confessing my sin has made me lose my joy and my willing spirit. Losing that joy and, and willing spirit has made me lose the delight that comes from obeying God. That's what David is saying. And he knew that as long as he was living in sin, he would have no joy. His fellowship with God was broken. You know, if you're missing joy today, maybe we need to ask ourselves, is my connection with God broken? Is my connection with him gone? Well, I've got an idea here. i got actually a great idea for you today. Cry out. Cry out. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Cry out. He'll give it right back to you. Ask and he's going to give it to you. Restore the joy of my salvation. How can you restore joy? Well, first you can confess your sin. Then look to Jesus and not yourself. Looking to yourself will never, ever cause joy. Ever. Unless you look to him... Because, you know, if you look to him, you can, you can and will rediscover the joy of your salvation. Did you know that God wants you to rejoice in your salvation? Imagine that God actually wants you to rejoice in your salvation. And don't you think it's funny that the world tries to sell you uh, the lie that the path to joy is, is, and a good time is generally found in, in sinful behavior? Have you noticed that? They, basically, the world tells you that the only way you can have joy is if you do this, this, and this which is usually leads you down the wrong path. But when the rubber hits the road, you can quickly see that sin never actually brings joy. At very best, it brings you kind of momentary escape, but then it's even worse when you come back to it. Never brings you joy. Sin actually removes every good thing from our lives. It removes joy. It removes health. It removes wealth. And pretty much anything that you can enjoy in life. Only righteousness found in Christ will restore all of those things. Uh, one thing that Sandro, I was really blessed again by the testimonies on Thursday night. Sandro was talking about how he looks at himself now and he, he doesn't get how he is the person that he is today and how he came from the person he was in the past. He is a total transformation of who he was. And now he looks at himself and he knows that it is 100% God that has restored him. What a beautiful testimony that is, isn't it? I know that he can do that to anybody out there. It doesn't matter what your sin is. He can restore you 100% and transform you into the original purpose that you had in him. Hallelujah. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, Lord. Restore it. Amen? So when I read Psalm 51, you know, I can't help but, but pray it over myself as well. Do you feel the same way? I can't help but pray it over yourself. It's not a verse that you can read and say, well, that's great for somebody else. No, it's a verse that you read and you're like, yeah. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, right? And it's not for somebody else. It's for, for each and every one of us. You, rec you read and you're, you're going to recognize that the prayer is for everyone. And asking God for cleansing and restoration, it's not just a one-time prayer either, is it? It's not just a one-time prayer. It's something that we should revisit whenever we, we have a, a strong desire to restore our joy and our, our fellowship with him. Sometimes people also think that they're not worth forgiveness because their life doesn't reflect Christ's presence. And that it's impossible for, for God to forgive them or restore them because of where their heart is. 
We think that because we can't forgive ourselves, God can't forgive us either. But Psalm 51 is the evidence and it's the blueprint of the forgiving, restoring nature of God. Even though David basically broke, you know, a good majority of God's commandments, let's face it, you know, God never defined him as, you know, the king who was an adulterous murderer. He never referred to David that way, or even a king who didn't do right in the eyes of the Lord. God never referred to him that way. In fact, in the New Testament, we read, as far as God was concerned, David was a man, what? After God's heart. Imagine that. Even after all that sin, after doing the, all those terrible things, because it was terrible what he did to Bathsheba and, and her family. It was awful what he did. Still, he was a man after God's heart. Why? Because he called to God, restore the joy of my salvation. Not remove your Holy Spirit from me. That's what praying for a clean heart and renewed spirit can do for us. It can make us pure and brand new in God's sight. A new creation, a new man, a new woman who is continually, not just once, but continually being restored and is able to build up the body of Christ. God is in the restoration business. That's what he does. He's in the restoration business. Do you want to be one of his laborers, I guess is the question for today. Do you want to be one of his laborers? Absolutely. Hallelujah. I thought we could go down and get the kids and tell them to come up. I'm going to sing a prayer for us. Right now, and uh, as they come, they have a little presentation to give us from Mother's Day. And Holly, maybe you could play the guitar for us as well, too, we pray. Amen. Do you guys want to be restored day by day? Yeah, will you join me in this prayer then today? All right, let's bow our heads and, and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, make me new just for you. Give me an undivided heart, wholly yours and wholly pure. God, clear out the sin and and clean me up. Give me a fresh start. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. What a gift, what a gift it is to be forgiven. Lord, words alone cannot describe what it's like to to come back to you and feel your embrace once more. You promised through your prophet that even though my sins are red as scarlet, they can now be made white as snow. Thank you, Father, for the joy that this brings. Thank you, Father. Your love and mercy are unending. unending. We choose to serve you and go after you wholehearted so that your joy may invade this world and so that we can build and rebuild your body here on earth. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord one more time here this morning as the children come up. And uh, for all you mothers, we have a special presentation for you as well too from the children so stick around for that and uh, we're just going to worship him right now let's give him all the glory that's due let's let his restorative presence come and, and invade us amen amen